Uri Faber is the godfather of the featherweight and bantamweight divisions. The Californian fighter quickly became a star by dominating his opponents with his high-level grappling. This led to him becoming the gladiator challenge and king of the cage bantamweight champion. And then he moved up and became the WEC featherweight champion. Plus, he was a very likable person. So by the time the UFC introduced the 135 and 145 pound weight classes, he was the fighter that most people had their eyes on. Although he had many moments with the promotion and was a top bantamweight for them for a long time, he was never able to capture UFC gold, even after four title shots. So how good was Uriah Faber actually? Hey guys, it's Keon and today we're going to be talking about the California kid Uriah Faber. Many of you wanted me to make this video and I'm happy to because he really is one of the most important fighters in MMA history. Even as a coach, his contribution to the sport is huge. So in this video, we will take a look at his MMA career to really understand how good he was. But before we get to it, shout out to the undisputed members of my Patreon. They get the extra perk of a shout out before each video. But even the intro members get early access and video to the Keon Kamara podcast. And as always, the money goes to charity. Now let's get to it. Uriah began his MMA career on November 12, 2003 at the age of 24. Prior to his debut, he was an NCAA Division 1 wrestler. His first opponent was Jay Valencia. After attacking with a leg kick and punches, Uriah got taken down. But Jay had to defend a tight guillotine choke. And although he escaped, Uriah secured a takedown of his own and locked in another guillotine. This time, Jay was forced to tap. Three months later, he fought George Atkins. Uriah opened up the fight with a big right hand. And from there, he took over with more punches on the feet and on the ground. The action continued to the second before George's corner threw in the towel. These two wins led to a shot at the Gladiator Challenge Bantamweight Championship. His opponent was David Velasquez. For three rounds, Uriah was the aggressor with his wrestling. This led to ground and pound and submission attempts. And when the fight got back up, Uriah had his moments as David was getting tired. By the end, Uriah won by unanimous decision, making him the Gladiator Challenge Bantamweight Champion. Uriah won two more fights before fighting for the King of the Cage Bantamweight Championship. His opponent was Ibn Kenshiro. Once again, Uriah was dominant with his wrestling as he secured multiple takedowns and threw ground and pound. These shots lasted till round three, and eventually referee Herb Dean stepped in, making Uriah the king of the cage bantamweight champion. Aside from finding success in the cage, 2004 was the year Uriah opened up his own MMA gym called Team Alpha Male. After picking up two more wins, he was set to defend his gladiator challenge bantamweight championship against Tyson Griffin. The fight displayed both men's wrestling skills as they took each other down. This led to ground and pound and submission attempts. It was a competitive bout going into round three, which lasted only five seconds as Uriah got caught by a right hand that dropped him. Tyson threw ground and pound before Herb Dean stepped in. Following his first defeat, Uriah went back to King of the Cage to defend his bantamweight championship. His opponent was Sean Bias. The two started the fight off with a crazy scramble, which eventually led to a quick finish by Uriah via guillotine. A month and a half later, he fought Charles Bennett. After Uriah secured an early takedown, the two spent most of the round grappling. And although Charles had his moments, it was Uriah that secured the rear naked choke. He moved up to 145 and picked up two more wins. And in the process, Uriah became the WEC featherweight champion. He went back to King of the Cage to defend his bantamweight belt against Charlie Valencia. Although Charlie came out strong on the feet early and attempted submissions, Uriah was dominant with his wrestling as he secured takedowns and threw ground and pound. This led to a rear naked choke that forced the tap. Uriah picked up two more wins and in the process, reclaimed the Gladiator Challenge bantamweight championship. He returned to King of the Cage to defend his belt against Bibiano Fernandez. Uriah got taken down immediately and had to defend a rear naked choke, which he did and eventually he reversed Bibiano. This led to ground and pound by Uriah. A cut opened up on Bibiano's face which forced the doctor to stop the fight. Following this win, Uriah went back to the WEC to defend his featherweight belt against Joe Pearson. He won the fight by first round TKO. His second title defense was against undefeated prospect Dominic Cruz. The two did not like each other from the very start, and this was due to Uriah staring down Dominic upon their first meeting. This led to Dominic signing his name on Uriah's face on all of the event posters. So there was a lot of heat going into the bout. 
out. But after trading on the feet, Dominic secured a takedown, which gave Uriah the opportunity to lock in a guillotine choke that forced a tap. The fight lasted 98 seconds. Following this win, Uriah defended the belt three times. This included two submission finishes, and a unanimous decision victory over former UFC lightweight champion, Jens Pulver. But at WC 36, Uriah lost his belt to Mike Brown by first round TKO. He followed this defeat with another win against Jens Pulver by guillotine. And although Uriah was given a second chance at the title against Mike Brown, he lost the fight in a back and forth battle which saw him break his right hand and dislocate his left thumb. At WC 46, Uriah fought Rafael Asunsa. Most of the fight was on the feet where both men found success, but Uriah found even more with takedowns and ground and pound. He also dropped Asunsa twice with the right hand. The second one was in the third and that led to Uriah locking in the rear naked choke that forced a tap. Following this victory, he received another shot at the title against the new featherweight champion, Jose Aldo. And it's mostly remembered as a one-sided fight as throughout the five rounds, Uriah was getting outstriked, especially with all those brutal leg kicks. By the end, Jose won by unanimous decision, and Uriah needed crutches afterwards. He came back seven months later and returned to 135. His opponent was Takeya Mizugaki. The two spent most of round one trading on the feet, but near the final minute, Uriah got a hold of Mizugaki's back and brought the fight down. This led to a rear naked choke that put Mizugaki to sleep. This was Uriah's last fight with the WBC after the UFC merged its roster with theirs in 2010. So he made his debut on March 19, 2011. His opponent was former WEC bantamweight champion, Eddie Wineland. Although Eddie started off strong, Uriah was able to pick up the pace and find success both on the feet and on the ground. After three rounds, he won by unanimous decision. This led to a shot at the title against UFC bantamweight champion, Dominic Cruz, making it their second meeting. This was a huge fight as it was the first time the 135 belt was being defended in the UFC. Plus, it was pivotal for the careers of both fighters. And luckily, they put on a show as the two went back and forth on the feet for most of the fight. They also took each other down, but the action would immediately get back up. Although Uriah had his moments on the feet and even dropped Dominic a few times in this fight, Dominic always seemed to be a step ahead by avoiding most of the strikes with his movement, and this gave him openings to connect with shots of his own. After 5 rounds, he won by unanimous decision. At UFC 139, Uriah fought former WEC bantamweight champion, Brian Bowles. The two opened up by trading on the feet, but it was Uriah who avoided most of the oncoming attacks, returned some shots of his own, and secured a takedown. Then in the second, he knocked Brian down with punches and a knee. After throwing more ground and pound, Uriah locked in the guillotine that forced the tap. Following this win, he became a coach on the 15th season of The Ultimate Fighter. And of course, the opposing coach was Dominic Cruz. After coaching the season, they were expected to fight for a third time at UFC 148, but Dominic pulled out due to an ACL injury. So instead, Uriah fought for the interim championship at UFC 149. His opponent was Henan Barrao. And much like the Jose Aldo fight, it was a five-rounder that saw Uriah eat a lot of shots. By the end, Henan won by unanimous decision. Seven months later, Uriah fought Ivan Menjivar, making it their second meeting. Although Ivan secured a takedown early, Uriah reversed the position and threw big shots from above. This led to a rear naked choke that forced a tap. Uriah picked up two more wins before fighting Michael McDonald. After a successful round one both on the feet and on the ground, Uriah connected with punches that dropped Michael. This led to a guillotine choke that forced a tap. At UFC 169, Uriah was given another shot at the bantamweight title. His opponent was champion Henan Barrao, making it their second meeting. Uriah was unable to bring the fight down, and this gave Henan the opportunity to pick him apart on the feet. This included two right hands that dropped Uriah. The second one led to ground and pound that forced Herb Dean to step in, but there was controversy afterwards as many believed the stoppage was premature. The rest of 2014 saw Uriah pick up two submission wins against Alex Caceres and Francisco Rivera, and in early 2015, he became a coach on the 22nd season of The Ultimate Fighter. The opposing coach was UFC interim featherweight champion, Conor McGregor. The two did not fight after the finale like most coaches do, but it was still a great season with many awesome moments. Then in May of 2015, he moved back up to 145 to fight former UFC lightweight champion, Frankie Edgar. The fight lasted for five rounds, and it was Frankie who was controlling most of the action on the feet by closing the distance with punches and kicks.
weeks. He also took Uriah down a few times as well. By the end, Frankie won by unanimous decision. Uriah went back down after this defeat and picked up a unanimous decision win against Frankie Science. And since Dominic Cruz had also recently reclaimed the Bantamweight Championship, the stars finally aligned for the trilogy fight to go down. So the two fought for a third time at UFC 199. And for most of the fight, it was Dominic who was controlling the pace. He was able to connect on the feet and secure takedowns. And he used his movement to avoid most of Uriah's attacks. After five rounds, Dominic won by unanimous decision. Uriah went on to lose his next fight to Jimmy Rivera. And it was a defeat that really showed that there's a new age of bantamweights on the horizon. So Uriah announced that his next fight would be his last. On December 17th, 2016, he fought Brad Pickett in his hometown of Sacramento, California. And he put on a very dominant performance in where he was controlling the action anywhere the fight went. And after three rounds, he won by unanimous decision. In his post-fight interview, he confirmed it was his final fight. He then got inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame on July 6, 2017. Even though he never captured UFC gold, he truly cemented his legacy, but he still wanted more. So after being away from MMA competition for two and a half years, he came back in 2019 to fight Ricky Simone. And although Ricky came out strong and connected with some shots, Uriah landed a big right hand that dropped him. He followed up with ground and pound before the ref stepped in. The fight lasted 46 seconds. At UFC 245, Uriah fought Peter Yan. The two traded on the feet for most of the fight. And for 40 years old, Uriah looked good early by connecting with some nice shots. But the output from Yan was much more. This included two knockdowns in the second. And finally in the third, Yan landed a front kick that sent Uriah to the mat, which forced referee Keith Peterson to step in. This was the last time Uriah fought, and although he hasn't retired, he is 41 and his best days are definitely behind him. The only matchup I can see for him in the future is against former Team Alpha Male fighter and former UFC Bantamweight champion, TJ Dillashaw. But the stars need to align for that bout. And with time ticking for Uriah, I'd rather see him call it a career and focus all his attention on his gym. So after going 35 and 11 in a career that saw him become the WBC featherweight champion, the king of the cage bantamweight champion, and the gladiator challenge bantamweight champion, how good was Uriah Faber actually? He is the man that brought attention to the featherweights and bantamweights. His wrestling base was very strong and that in itself helped him reach the top. He was super athletic. His speed and strength gave him an explosive edge, which helped him with his takedowns, ground and pound, and submissions. But as he grew as a fighter, his striking also developed and that became a huge asset to his ground game. He was able to bring the fight down with one shot and even if his opponent didn't go out, they would still be in a lot of trouble due to Uriah's high level grappling. He was a modern age fighter and that came with a very cool personality that was loved by many. I mean, even his name is cool. So it was no wonder that even when he wasn't a UFC fighter, he was still very popular due to how marketable he was. So when the UFC finally merged the WEC's roster with theirs, the fighter that many had their eyes on was Uriah and I'm sure the UFC was hoping for him to become a champion as soon as possible. But that never happened even after four title shots. And even though he found his share of success with the promotion and was still a top bantamweight with them, he was unable to capture UFC gold. So what exactly happened? First off, Dominic Cruz and Henan Burrell were incredible and there's no shame in losing to those guys during their prime. But the bigger issue was his age. By the time Uriah became a UFC fighter, he was 31 years old. And I know that's still pretty young, but by this time, he had so many fights under his belt. Plus, being in your early 30s in these smaller divisions is a great disadvantage. Athleticism is one of the first things that begins to leave as a fighter gets older. And with younger bantamweights on the come up, it really was a shame that Uriah didn't become a UFC fighter in his 20s. Because there is no doubt in my mind that he would have became a champion then. But even if he wasn't able to capture UFC gold himself, he had a gym filled with fighters that were able to do so. In fact, even as a coach, Uriah has trained some of the best featherweights, bantamweights, and flyweights, which has led to even further growth to the lighter weight classes. Even if he was never a fighter, his influence as a coach was still very important for the sport. So it's very rare for a person to do both and find the success that Uriah did. That's why I would give his MMA career a 9 out of 10. I also want to point out how significant the rivalry between him and Dominic Cruz was. Because even though he didn't win that matchup, it was still the initial spark that the UFC bantamweight division needed. He is responsible 
responsible for the career of many MMA fighters, and with all the entertainment these smaller divisions have provided, I can't help but to give most of the credit to Uriah Faber. My name is Keon, and this is my take on the California kid, Uriah Faber. Do you agree, disagree, or have something else to add? please put in the comments down below because I love to read it. If you like this video, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to my channel for more content like this. But that's all out for now, so I'll see you in my next one.